0: Well, if we could, this morning, with the Lord's help, turn back to that portion of scripture that we read. The Gospel according to Mark, in chapter 6. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 6, and if we read again at verse 41. Mark 6, at verse 41. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, A blessing! And broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were about five thousand men. The scene which confronts us here in this chapter is probably a scene which is not too dissimilar from what we've been witnessing on the news over the past few months. Uh, with all these devastating pictures of people fleeing their homes because of war. And in the past few months and over the past few months we've we've seen thousands of people making this treacherous journey across the Mediterranean Sea and into Europe or from the Middle East Across into Europe, and with all the news reports which we've been given, we've witnessed thousands of people gathering into ferries, or on trains, or buses, or even walking from country to country. And looking at all these scenes of, of thousands of refugees moving across Europe, uh, you could say that they seemed like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, they had, they have no place to call home. That They have no security and they have no safety anymore. It's all been taken away from them because of war. And when these refugees were asked by the news reporters why they left their country, uh, the answer many of them gave was that uh, they were in search of new life. Search of new life. They were hoping for a better life somewhere else. They were looking for a new start and a new beginning. And we do hope that they will find safety and security as they enter into Europe. But that scene which we've witnessed time and time again on the news of thousands of people seeking new life. It's a similar scene which Mark is presenting to us here in this chapter. Because alongside the the Sea of Galilee on this, you could say, Machar type land. Thousands of people gathered from all over the nation of Israel and they'd come looking for Jesus. And their search for Jesus was because he was the miracle worker from Galilee. He was the one who was healing all these people and helping all these people and doing all these miraculous signs. And so uh, this crowd, they came looking for Jesus. They came searching for something better. They came to Jesus seeking help. And they came to Jesus looking for a better life. And Desiring for him to help them. This crowd gathered before Jesus because they knew he was different. They knew he was different. And you know, when I look out from the pulpit every Sunday morning and Sunday evening. When I look at you, I, and I see that you faithfully gather here week by week. But sometimes, sometimes and often I wonder, why? Why do you come? What is it that brings you here? What is it that draws you to this place? What is it that brings you to see Jesus? And looking at this crowd that, that came to Jesus. I wonder if you're here this morning because you're in search of something better. Something... That this life doesn't give you. And I wonder if you're here because you're seeking help. Help that this world doesn't offer you. I wonder if you're here because you know that Jesus is different. You know that he's not like everyone else. You know that he's not like all the other things that this world presents to, to us. You know that Jesus is unique. And that was Mark's purpose in recording this miracle. It was... to to further reveal the identity of Jesus, it was to draw us to see who Jesus really is. That Jesus is unique. In fact, that was the reason why all of the gospel writers recorded this miracle. The the miracle of of feeding 5,000 people. It's the only miracle that's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And their purpose in recording the miracle is to reveal to us the wonder and the glory of who Jesus is and what Jesus is like. And so as we look at Mark's account this morning of this miracle, he's going to show us what Jesus is like. He's going to present to us the reason why we've come here. We want to see who Jesus is. And here he gives us three descriptions of Jesus. Because we have Jesus, the physician, in verses 30 to 32, we have Jesus, the pastor, verses 33 to 36, and then we have Jesus the provider, verses 37 to 44. And so, who is this Jesus we have come to see? Who is He? Jesus the physician. He is Jesus the pastor, and Jesus the provider. So if we look firstly at Jesus the physician. Jesus the physician. Mark says in verse 30, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. And what we see in these verses is that this section opens with it opens with the 12 apostles of Jesus returning from uh, their first mission as preachers of the gospel. And they were returning from their first gospel mission because Jesus had sent them out. He sent them out. Because at the beginning of, of chapter 6, uh, we saw that Jesus, he called his 12 disciples to himself and then he sent them out two by two. And he sent them out into the surrounding region of Galilee, to tell people about Jesus. They had been sent out. That's what the, the term apostle means. Someone who has been sent. And that's, that's what happened. These apostles, they had been sent out. Sent out by, by Jesus. And Mark tells us in verse 12 of this chapter, he says, So they, they went out, or they were sent out, and proclaimed that people should Repent. That's what they did when they were sent out. They went out with the message of Jesus. And it was a message of repentance. That we are sinners who need a saviour. And that's the message which... Every Christian and every preacher and every minister and every missionary. That's the message they're all sent out with. The message of repentance. That we are sinners who need to repent. That we need to turn from our sin and believe in the gospel. The good news all about Jesus Christ. That's why they were sent out. But what we see here is that after their first mission, the apostles came back together again. They gathered themselves together and they they assembled and they congregated to meet Jesus. And it's interesting what we're told about the apostles after they returned to Jesus because Mark tells us in verse 30 that the apostles returned to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. Told them all that they had done and taught. And so what Mark highlights to us is that after the apostles returned from Preaching the gospel in the surrounding communities, they congregated with Jesus to tell him everything. Everything of what they had done, and everything of what they had taught. They told Jesus everything. And I think that's just a wonderful statement. They told Jesus everything. In his commentary, J.C. Ryle says about these words, he says, These words are deeply instructive. They told Jesus everything. And J.C. Ryle went on to say, this is a bright example to all ministers of the gospel and to all labourers in the work of doing good to souls. He says, all such should do as the apostles did on this occasion. They should tell all their needs to the great head of the church. They should spread their work before Jesus and ask him of his counsel of his guidance, ask him for strength and ask him for help. Prayer, says Ryle, prayer is the main secret of success in spiritual business. They told Jesus everything. They told Jesus everything. And it goes without saying. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be telling Jesus everything. We need to be telling Jesus everything. Whatever it is, my friend, we need to bring it to Jesus. Whether it's our sinful heart, we need to bring it to Jesus. Whether it's the burdens of work or of home life, we need to to bring it to Jesus. Whether it's our heartache, our sorrows, our loneliness, our worries, our pains, our illnesses, we ought to bring them all to Jesus. And my unconverted friend I want you to realize how wonderful Jesus really is because you too, you are able, yes, you are able to bring all the burdens of the day and all the concerns of the night and you're able to bring them to Jesus. That's the wonder of who this Jesus is, that we're able to tell him everything. We're able to bring everything to him. Is that not what the hymn writer said? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations, he says. Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. They told Jesus everything. Everything. That's wonderful. They told Jesus everything. But after the apostles told Jesus everything of what they'd done and what they taught Jesus said to them come into a deserted place and rest a while. Come aside and rest a while. But what we ought to notice about this passage is that Jesus he doesn't say much. He doesn't say much at all but what he does say it's telling of his care and his, his compassion towards other people because When his apostles returned from their first mission, Jesus could see that they were tired. They were all exhausted. And Jesus, the physician, he tends not only to their spiritual needs, but also to their physical needs. Because Jesus, the physician, he knows that we are flesh as well as spirit. He knows that we are body as well as soul. And Jesus, the physician, diagnoses uh, that his disciples need time to rest. They need time to, to, to come aside and be restored. And Mark indicates to us the reason why the apostles needed rest. Because there were so many people, he says, coming and going, toing and fro. There was so much going on, and they were so busy in all their tasks that they didn't have time to eat. Whether they often skipped breakfast or they missed their lunch or or they didn't have time for dinner because they were constantly on the go busy in the kingdom and busy witnessing for the Lord with all the, the hustle and bustle of their lives Jesus the physician says to them stop come aside and rest a while. And you know there's a great application for us there too especially in the day and age in which we live where Everyone is coming and going. Everyone's toing and and throwing. Everything is going so fast. People can't believe it's going from one week to the next. And everyone is is so busy that we don't have time for anything and sometimes for anyone. We don't have time for family or or friends or, or even our work. We're always pushed and yet Jesus the physician says, come aside, rest a while come aside and rest a while and the reason jesus says this is because as our physician as our and as our creator of both our body and our soul he knows our makeup he knows how we are made he knows what we need he knows that we need rest and he knows that we need to be restored when we're we're tired he knows that we need to come aside and, and rest a while. And you know, that's what the Lord's day is all about. That's what the Lord's day is all about. That's why the Sabbath day was given to man right after he was created. It was given to us as a day of rest. Not only rest for the body, but rest for the soul. A day of rest rest for the soul because it's good to have a day off it's good to have our our body refreshed and ready for another week that lies ahead but our soul needs to be refreshed too our soul needs to be restored our soul needs to be fed we need to find rest for our soul and that's why it's good for us to come to church That's why it's good for us to come here. That's why it's good for us to meet with Jesus every week. That's why it's good for us to to come aside and rest a while. And even during the week, we have the prayer meeting. It's another opportunity for us. If you want to come, come. It's another opportunity to come away from all the, the busyness of a working week and meet with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And bring everything to Jesus so that we will find rest for our soul. And my friend, is that not the great call of the gospel? Where Jesus says, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take rest. My yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My friend, Jesus, the physician, knows what you need. He knows that your greatest need is Him, that you need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. You need him, and you know you need him. So, will you not do as he has asked you? Come unto me. Because when you do come to him, he promises you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your soul. Jesus the physician. That's the first thing we see. But secondly, we see Jesus the pastor. Jesus the pastor you look at verse 32, And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them, saw them going and re- recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So in the previous section, Mark reiterated he 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 emphasized that the intention of jesus and his disciples their intention was to go to this deserted place to be by themselves and mark did that he he emphasized it because that was the plan that was the plan the plan of jesus and his disciples was to come aside and rest a while but what we see here is that nothing went according to plan Nothing went according to plan because as soon as Jesus and his disciples tried to get to this quiet place and get some, um, some peace, the multitude saw Jesus and his disciples leaving and they, they went after them. In fact, Mark tells us they ran. They ran after them. They ran so fast that they arrived round on the other side of the Sea of Galilee before Jesus and his disciples could get there on the boat. But you know, I love what Mark tells us next. That when Jesus saw the multitudes who, who had gathered on the shore, when he was coming into the shore on the boat, seeing this multitudes, thousands of people, it says, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. I just love that. He was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a Without a shepherd. Because in these words we see that Jesus the pastor was also Jesus. Jesus the physician was also Jesus the pastor. He had a pastor's heart towards the multitudes. He had this care and compassion. The compassion of a good shepherd towards all these these lost sheep before him. And that's what the multitudes were. They were lost sheep. Sheep without a shepherd. And we all know from our own experience, sheep without a shepherd, they have no direction. They have no leadership. They have no one to feed them. They have no meaning. They have no purpose. Because they are lost sheep in need of a shepherd. But what we see here is that before Jesus feeds these lost sheep, before he feeds them, he teaches them. Before he feeds them, he teaches them. And we're told that Jesus taught them many things. That's just a wonderful thought, that Jesus, the pastor, who saw all these, these sheep before him that were without a shepherd, and he saw that they had no direction in life, and yet he gave them direction. He saw that they had no leadership, and he gave them leadership. He saw that they had no meaning to life, and he gave them meaning in life. He saw that they had no purpose in life. And he gave them a purpose. Because he made these lost sheep. All his sheep. He claimed them as his own. He saw them as precious. He made them his treasured possession. And my friend, that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. Jesus, the pastor, sees that we're like sheep without a shepherd. Wondering aimlessly, we're lost sheep. Wondering about, trying to, to find someone to lead us and direct us and give us a purpose and a meaning to life. But when Jesus comes to us in the gospel, he promises to take us from all our lostness. To take us from all our lostness where life has no leadership, Jesus gives us leadership. When life has no direction, Jesus gives us direction. When life has no purpose, Jesus gives us a purpose to live. When life has no meaning, Jesus gives us meaning. Because, my friend, Jesus shows us his love. He gives us his love. He gives us us belonging. He makes us belong to him. He gives us dignity. He explains why we were created God's Love God's glory. What is man's chief end? Glorify God. Enjoy Him forever. But what is it that causes Jesus to be our pastor? He gives us meaning, but what causes Him to be our pastor? What is it that prompts Jesus to give us meaning to life? What is it that compels Jesus to act in this way? His compassion. His compassion. That's it. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. So one of the most beautiful statements in the Bible. Jesus moved with compassion. And this word compassion, it's only ever used in the Bible to describe Jesus. And we've seen this already in Mark's gospel. Where Mark, he repeatedly uses this word in order to emphasize that Jesus, that this Jesus, he is one who moves with compassion. He moves with compassion. That was the case in chapter 1 when Jesus encountered this leprous man. We're told that Jesus moved with compassion. He put forth his hand and he touched him. The same was true for Legion. The demon-possessed man, when Jesus had cleansed him from his demon possession, Jesus told him, go home. Go home to all your friends and tell tell them how the Lord had compassion on you. But also in chapter 8, we'll get there soon, when Jesus feeds the 4,000. The reason he does is because he had compassion on them. And my friend, this is the wonder of who Jesus is, that he shows compassion to everyone and to anyone. To anyone. That's the compassion of Jesus is such that he's compelled to help the helpless. He's compelled to strengthen those who are weak, to, to comfort those who are mourning, to encourage those who are downcast, to, to reach out to those who are lost without and without hope. And when it comes to the multitudes, the multitudes which Jesus encounters, when it comes to them, there's no one too old. There's no one too young. There's no one too sinful. There's no one unforgivable. There's no disease too great for Jesus. There's no problem too difficult for Jesus to address. Because this pastor... He knows our deepest needs and he moves with compassion and he stretches out his hand to us in order to help us and sustain us. My friend, the marvel of his compassion is that Jesus is more willing to help you than you are to ask him. Jesus is more willing to help you then you are to ask him. Therefore the real issue is are you willing to ask him? Are you willing to ask him? Are you willing to ask Jesus, help me, help me. Are you willing for Jesus to be the good shepherd he promises to be? That's what we were singing. Goodness and mercy. Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm, that's what he promises, goodness and mercy, all my life will surely follow me and in God's house forevermore my dwelling place shall be. That's his promise to you when you ask him, when you ask him, this pastor, he'll give you direction. This pastor, he'll lead you. This pastor, he'll, he'll give you a purpose. He'll give you a meaning. He will give you life. Life itself, because that's the promise of the good shepherd. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Have it more abundantly. What better life could you have? What better life does this world offer you There is no better life than the abundant life following the good shepherd. But looking at this situation of Jesus teaching the multitudes, we have to ask, what was it that made these people run to Jesus? What was it that made these people run after Jesus? What was it that caused them to come from all these cities in search of Jesus? Verse 33 tells us, They recognized him. They recognized him. They knew him. They knew his voice. They knew the call of the good shepherd. Is that not the case with sheep? They know the voice of their shepherd. Is that not what Jesus the pastor says about his own sheep? My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. But then there's the promise neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice. That's what makes the difference between being a follower of Jesus or not. My sheep hear my voice. My friend, you have heard the good voice, the voice of the good shepherd. You've heard it many times in the gospel. But the question is, are you listening to the voice? And are you willing to follow this pastor, this good shepherd? Are you willing to follow him? Because he is one who grants to us eternal life, abundant life. Life in which we shall never be plucked out of his hand. So we've seen Jesus the physician. Jesus the pastor. But in this last section Mark presents to us. Jesus the provider. Jesus the provider. If you look at verse 35 it says And when it grew late his disciples came to him and said This is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And so, as we've seen in this passage, the plan to come aside and rest a while, it was all disrupted by these multitudes on the shore. And in the eyes of the disciples who wanted their relaxing break, it was rudely disturbed by all these multitudes. Because when all these people came from from all over Israel, instead of spending the afternoon with his disciples, Jesus spent it pastoring the flock on the Maha. And it seems that the disciples, they took exception to that. Because when it was getting late and it was nearing dinner time, the disciples They encouraged Jesus, wrap things up now. It's time to go home for them. Send the multitudes away. They said, send them away that they can go to all these surrounding villages and buy for themselves something to eat. They were saying, it's dinner time. Get rid of these people. We've been so busy over the past while. We haven't had time to eat because of all these people. We haven't had a moment's peace. Send them away. They can buy their own food. But isn't it amazing what Jesus says to them in verse 37? You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And Jesus, he doesn't send the multitudes away who are in need. He doesn't send them away. Instead, he reminds his disciples that this is the great call of the church of Jesus Christ. That we must not only tend to the spiritual needs of others, but we must also tend to the physical needs of others. We need to see other people's need. We need to see their need. And what we see is that the disciples, they didn't have time for these people. But Jesus taught the disciples that they needed to make time for them. And that's the call of the church. We need to make time for people. We need to make time to attend not only to the spiritual needs of our community, but also the physical needs of our community. We need to make time to be involved in our community. We need to make time to be disciples in our community. We need to make time to be witnesses in our community because just like these disciples, we can get so caught up in our own needs and our own wants and our own problems That we can't see the needs of others. And dare I say it, we aren't interested in the needs of others because we have enough on our own plate. But the danger is that we become selfish disciples, selfish disciples of Jesus. But what Mark makes clear to us is that despite the selfish nature of the disciples, Jesus the physician, Jesus the pastor, Jesus, the provider, he was interested. He was interested in the multitudes. And he was interested because Jesus will never let you down. Jesus will never let you down. My friend, the church will let you down. I will let you down. The elders will let you down. Selfish disciples will let you down. But Jesus will never let you down. Jesus will never let you down. He'll never leave you helpless. He will always provide for you in your greatest need. And it doesn't matter how hard or how impossible it may seem. Jesus is the God of the impossible. Jesus is the God of the impossible. And that's what the disciples couldn't understand. Because they questioned Jesus when he told them to feed the multitudes. They said, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? In other words, shall we go and spend 8 months wages to feed this crowd? And Jesus says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And Jesus was saying, where's your faith? Where's your commitment? You've witnessed so many miracles before. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And we know from the other gospel accounts that the disciples found this little boy with his packed lunch. And yet all he had was five loaves and, and two little fish. And one of the disciples asked, well, what are they among so many people? What are they? But what happens next is remarkable. Because we're told in verse 39, he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. Despite the small portion that was available, Jesus commands them all, sit down. Sit down. And so over 5,000 people sit down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. But what I find so wonderful is not the amount of people that Jesus was going to feed. Yes, the miracle is amazing. It's absolutely amazing, but what I find so wonderful is when Mark says that when all these people sat down, they sat down on green grass. I mean, why mention that the grass is green? None of the other gospel writers mention the colour of the grass. Everyone knows that grass is green. So why mention it? Why draw our attention to it? And that's what I find so wonderful, that that Mark is continuing this shepherd theme. That Jesus has had compassion upon the multitudes because they were like sheep without a shepherd. But now Mark is affirming to us here that the multitudes were now sheep with a shepherd. A shepherd who not only pastors our spiritual needs, but also a shepherd that provides for our physical needs. And with this little detail, Jesus that Jesus commanded the people to to sit down on the green grass, Mark is pointing to us and saying, this is the true shepherd of Israel. This is the true shepherd of God's people. He's identifying Jesus as the shepherd of whom we were singing in Psalm 23. Because as many of us, and if not all of us know, David opens that well-known psalm in Psalm 23 with the words, the Lord's my shepherd. I'll not want. He makes me down to lie. In pastures green. He leadeth me. The quiet waters by. And that's the scene which Marcus is presenting to us in his gospel. This large flock. Large flock sitting down on the green pastures. Beside the still waters of the Sea of Galilee. And they're being fed. By the true shepherd. They're being fed by their, their, their leader. The one who's going to lead them. And guide them and keep them. They're being fed by the one who's providing for them. And their provision was such that they were not in want. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. They lacked nothing. They lacked nothing. And it 's a, a beautiful picture of the shepherd providing for his sheep. but that 's the wonder of this shepherd that when we claim him as my shepherd, when we can say, "The Lord is my shepherd, it 's then that we will not lack anything it 's then that there will be nothing missing in our life it 's then that we will see that life, it has direction. Life has meaning. Life has purpose. It's only when we can say, The Lord is my shepherd. That's when we have eternal life. Because if we're not living for this good shepherd, what are you living for? What are you living for? If you aren't following Jesus, then your life must be empty. Either that or you're filling it with things that will not last. If Jesus isn't your shepherd, then what purpose do you have? Tell me why you exist if Jesus isn't your shepherd. Why are you here? if Jesus isn't your shepherd? Why does this world exist if Jesus isn't your shepherd? If Jesus isn't your shepherd, the Bible is saying, You're lost. You're lost. You're lost. And you need to make him your shepherd. You need to make him your shepherd. Because this shepherd he'll provide for every need. That's what we see here. He granted sufficient provision. He gives thanks for the food and he distributes it through his disciples to 5,000 people. It was distributed by the disciples who at first had refused to do anything with these multitudes. The disciples had told them to go away. And like the disciples, when Jesus asks us to do something that we don't want to do, Jesus always shows us his way is perfect. His way is the right way. And that we'll be blessed when we're obedient. And that's what happened. It says in the last couple of verses in that section, they all ate and were satisfied. They took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Jesus, the provider, satisfied everyone's need. He provided for his hungry flock. He provided a basket each for all his disciples, which was more than enough for them to eat. And my friend, that's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is and that's what Jesus does. Because that's the promise of the New Testament. This Jesus, Jesus the physician, Mm. Jesus the pastor, Jesus the provider, this Jesus does in us and for us far above and beyond our asking or our thinking. So who better for you to trust today than this Jesus? Who better? May the Lord bless these thoughts. Let us pray. O Lord, we give thanks for the great privilege of being able to address thee as our shepherd. And help us, Lord, we pray, or to be followers of that good shepherd to see that the Lord One who is so good to us each and every day in life, that despite all we go through and all that we may encounter in this life, we give thanks to the Lord One who is still with us, the One who has promised to be a good shepherd to us, who will lead us and guide us, who will provide goodness and mercy even all the days of our life, and that in God's house forevermore our dwelling place shall be Help us to trust him. Help us not to walk away from him. But help us, Lord, we pray, to hear his voice, to call out to him, to commit our lives into his care and to his keeping. Do us good then, we pray. Bless us and go before us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We shall conclude by singing in Psalm 107. Psalm 107, it's again in the Scottish Psalter. That's page 382 in the Blue Book. Psalm 107, singing from verse 5 down to the verse Mark 9. For thirst and hunger in them faints, their soul when straits them press. They cry unto the Lord, and He them frees from their distress. Them also in a way to walk, that right as he did guide, that they might to a city go, wherein they might abide. O that men to the Lord would give, praise for his goodness then, and for his works of wonder done unto the sons of men. For he, the soul that longing is, doth fully satisfy. With goodness he, the hungry soul, doth fill abundantly. These verses of Psalm 107, to God's praise. Thank of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.